Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And we're going to be talking about what's happened last week, what's happening next week, uh, some things in the news. And then we've got a great guest on today, Shane Fox. He's with Link3D.co, kind of an unusual domain name, but L-I-N-K, the number three, the letter D.co, talking about 3D printing and both software that they provide and a very interesting solution that they provide. You need to listen in. But before we get to Shane... Let's speak with uh, Lou Weiss and see what's happening in the world of news and last week's next week. Hey, Lou. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. I'm holding up well. How about yourself? Okay. Uh, I do have to uh, make a statement, though, that I don't think that your yellow jacket is quite as bright as it usually is. Uh, <laughs> did you run into a deer or something in uh, Atlanta? It, it, it's the lights. <laughs> oh, it must be the lighting. Uh, lighting engineer, fix the lights. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, last week's show, we had uh, our global show with Norbert War from Strategus uh, with his purchasing manager index report, known as the PMI. Uh, and Norbert uh, reports on 18 economies around the world. Uh, it's, it's really uh, quite the story. Um, it's something that you won't find on um, our n- mainstream media. Uh, actually, we don't find anything anymore on mainstream media unless it has something to do with the man in the White House. Uh, we also have uh, Royce Lowe reporting from the UK uh, uh, about France, the EU, and he also gives us the European perspective as to what's going on there. Uh, so that that was really a terrific show, as all of our shows are. So why don't you tune into last week's show? Um, I want to mention uh, our next week's show uh, because it's it's kind of a hallmark for us. Uh, we do have Nicole Walter, who's the president and CEO of HM Manufacturing. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much about what she does, but she's uh, she's terrific and she promotes uh, STEM and manufacturing for future generations. The, the important part of this, aside from what she brings to the table, is that um, Manufacturing Talk Radio is introducing on November 8th a new show called WIM, and that is Women and Manufacturing. It's about women for women who have made it successfully into the uh, marketplace of manufacturing. And Nicole is one of seven hosts that we have uh, on the show. Uh, We don't know yet which show she will be starting off on, but the November 8th is the inaugural show. And it's about uh, a Rosie the Riveter, a woman by the name of Anna Hess, who's now 90 years old, who talks about uh, the day she lied when she was 15 and joined a military tire plant in the Midwest. And her mother, who also worked in a B-29 bomber plant, also in the Midwest. And uh, this show uh, 
has been pre-recorded, uh, and uh, it's a it's a piece of history. Uh, you just have to tune in, write it on your calendar, write it on your desk pad, write it on a post-it, and put it on your forehead. You don't want to miss this. But if you do, you can always go into our archive and listen to it later. But it, it's a terrific, terrific interview. Uh, going forward, a little couple news items. And it seems as though the hot news, the hot, hot news of this past uh, week is uh, tax reform. And uh, we are uh, members, Manufacturing Talk Radio, and our All Metals and Forge group. Uh, is also a member of NAM, the National Association of Manufacturing. And the U.S. Department of Labor this week announced that uh, Jay Timmons, president and CEO of NAM, will serve on a tax force on apprenticeship expansion. And uh, as chairman of the board of the Manufacturing Institute, he's established, he is established as a national leader in workplace development issues. Uh, Jay's been on the on the road this whole week, uh, going to various states and promoting the whole idea of tax reform. So, uh, Jay, we we tip our our hat to you. Additionally, uh, the chairman of Emerson Corporation and CEO of uh, Emerson, um, da- uh, d- the chair David Farr, meets with. Senator Susan Collins of uh, Maine to share manufacturer support to uh, bold up the tax reform. And they're out there really trying to sell this, this idea. And I think that it's really important that they do get this tax reform uh, done. The fact that they are going to get it done or not get it done, they're trying to do it for this year. We'll see how that plays out. It, if there's any room in the schedule for Congress and our president. Uh, Manufacturing Institute Executive Director Carolyn Lee writes that manufacturers have jobs to fill but are struggling to find workers. Well, that's sort of true. It's how, how hard it is to find workers that have skills and who are not drug addicts. Uh, that has become a huge problem. Uh, so the idea of bringing, quote unquote, bringing jobs back to America solves one problem but creates another one. We'll just have more people with no skills, with lots of jobs. Uh, as of right now, there's 700,000 jobs in manufacturing that are going unfilled in this country right now. 700,000. Get that number. And if it doesn't get better, if it doesn't get fixed, at the end of the next 10 years, that 700,000 will be 3.5 million vacant jobs in manufacturing. So here's the good reason why we need robots, because we can make 3.5 million robots within the next 10 years for sure. And that that also is a a huge, uh, huge Uh, issue in our country. The belief is that robotics is going to cost jobs. Well, that's not quite true. And anyone who says it doesn't know what they're talking about. 
And I would also recommend not listening to your unions who are trying to use scare tactics on union members about, you're going to lose your job because of the robots. Not true. Somebody's got to build the robots. Somebody's got to design them. Somebody's got to program them. Somebody's got to do maintenance on them. But the bottom line is that you may have to learn some new skills. And there are a lot of programs around this country at vocational schools, community colleges, and uh, uh, manufacturing extension uh, learning programs that you may have to spend a little effort, a little time, a little effort to bring yourself up the skills. The government can't and won't solve your problems. You have to do it. So next item. Wow, this is really a biggie. I don't know if many of you heard about it, but it seems as though that we're going to be imposing huge tariffs on Canadians because of the NAFTA issue. Everything seems to be all related. We can't, there's no one issue. All issues are related. So here, Mr. Trump decided to impose tariffs on Canadian goods, probably Mexican also. So here, Bombardier in Canada is going to be charged something like 200% taxes on aircraft that will come into this country. Well, it seems as though that uh, Airbus is going to buy Bombardier. Now, what does that do? Airbus is in Europe. Well, they're also here in Mobile, Alabama. So they're now going to be producing a Canadian airplane in the United States, and they won't have to pay any of those threatening taxes that President Trump is talking about. This is an uh, ongoing story, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll keep you posted on that. As one side note, being that we don't seem to hear much news from anywhere else except from Washington, D.C., uh, I thought I'd just throw in that Lufthansa, the German airline, is bankrupt. That's not the only one. Alitalia in Italy, bankrupt. And Lufthansa, the bankrupt airline, is trying to buy Alitalia. How does that work? That's like fuzzy math. We'll keep you posted on that, too. Maybe we'll be able to get some of our aircraft manufacturing, parts manufacturers and such involved in being able to make uh, parts for maintenance for these two bankrupt companies at some point. Anyhow, forgive my sarcasm, and I will turn it back to Tim. Thanks, Lou. Yes, you'll actually find an article written by Royce Lowe on the Bombardier uh, event in the next issue of Metals and Manufacturing Outlook magazine that comes out uh, every month that is subscriber-based. If you'd like to get a copy of that, just go to um, steelforge.com and you can find a way to sign up for that e-zine. And you'll enjoy the article in that as long as well as all the other articles. And let's get to our guest, Shane Which, Fox. Uh, excuse me. I, I also want to mention, because many of these e-zines you cannot print out. Hours you can print out. So you can go to it, you can read it, you can download it, you can print it, you can read it when you go to the bathroom or if you're a passenger in a bus or what have you. So I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> okay, and you'll hear the trees in the forest fall as the printer cranks out paper. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we're part of the paperless society now, aren't we? That's right. We don't use as that's, much paper as we used to. Yeah, that's the biggest <laughs> joke of all. Another myth, yes. Maybe we should be uh, debunking myths. Uh, actually, before we get to our guest, Shane Fox, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks, just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're here with Shane Fox, who is the co-founder and CEO of Link3D, and he is taking a very interesting approach to additive manufacturing, which we're going to be quizzing him on today. We'd love to hear what he has to say about all the different aspects that he brings to the table. Shane, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for having me. I know that Lou is full of questions uh, on what you're doing with uh, 3D manufacturing, an area that we have followed for quite some time. So, Lou, why don't you lead it off? Uh, thank you, uh, Tim. And I wanted to say right at the top of the show that you've been honored with the Industry Week Manufacturing Leader of the Week. Uh, that must be quite an honor. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, It was actually a surprise. I, I was... Uh... I was getting interviewed, and I didn't realize I was actually getting um, that prestigious award. So it was pretty cool when it came out. Very nice. Very nice. So tell us uh, why Industry Week believes in you so. I'm sure there's good reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, I think they see the reality of, of additive manufacturing you know, in, in in the short and long term, um, and and I believe that they have an interesting stance on data intelligence. And uh, one thing that Linked does is uh, we correlate data with AI and algorithms to automate workflows for for companies that are adopting manufacturing into uh, into their ecosystem. So I, I think they found that to be quite interesting. So when was when was this, uh, Shane? When did I speak with them? No. When did uh, when was that uh, prestigious award uh, presented? Uh, it was about three weeks ago, I believe. Ah, I can't remember so the exact been, date, it, but so it's fairly current then. Yeah, it's fairly current. Yeah, I think uh, it so, came out beginning of August. Right. Okay, good. So tell us, uh, give us a little bit of background into your company, uh, Link3D, and uh, just for our uh, our audience, that's link3d.co. Uh, yeah. If you want to uh, contact uh, Shane after he tells us all the good stuff he does for manufacturing. Yeah, so, you know, um, to, to you know, to really understand linked, you, you probably have to understand the research that we you know that we uh, 
we conducted and um, linked was you know it, it literally was an idea in my head from you know uh, um, some observations I had while traveling around the world um, promoting my first startup and then that startup was acquired by Autodesk and I and I kept seeing the same reoccurring problems and you know basically my, my co-founder and I wanted to, to do some heavy-duty research um, and, and get some some think tanks together and some case studies together and you know we we uh, we spent about seven or eight months doing this research and uh, and you know we noticed that there was a real need um, for 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 what what it is that we do and and really in a nutshell what what we what we've created is an autonomous software that securely streamlines and optimizes manufacturing companies' workflows from, you know, the, the R&D lab stage all the way through series production. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's really the, the company was formed, on, you know, on a research project, and, it, and it's taken off since then. So specifically, what does your uh, autonomous software do in terms of 3D printing? Yeah, so... so you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a multi-stage process. So what we've done is we've introduced real-time collaboration uh, into the engineer's workflows. So one thing that our research, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about research and then um, the case in which we've, we've solved it. And, you know, we, uh, we noticed that companies who were adopting additive manufacturing were... <clears throat> seeing something around like 20%, 25% in organizational drag, um, you know, per week. And, and really that's a full work day that engineers, you know, uh, uh, basically waste going back and forth, setting up meetings, traveling to meetings, uh, setting up communication platforms to work on projects. There's, it's a lot of manual work. And what we've introduced is a, is a real-time collaboration tool that allows engineers to uh, import their their design files and then assign milestones, chat in real time, and actually annotate and comment uh, in our three-dimensional space on their actual geometry. Um, this way, you know, it, it, it's you could think of it almost like as Slack or as Gchat or you know any other real-time communication device within an organization. Only we take it one step farther by doing it in a three-dimensional space that allows them to actually work on their designs um, to make them, you know, quote-unquote, 3D-ready or 3D-printable. The, the second thing that we, we started looking at was um, the build success versus the build failure rate within an organization. So whether you're, you know, running machines in-house or you're running machines, you know, through third parties or service bureaus, as we call them in our industry, or contract manufacturers, um, there, you know, there's a very high rate of build failure. So obviously, when you have build failure, right, you have wasted time, wasted resources like material, uh, wasted energy from the machine, and and obviously, when you're trying to adopt additive manufacturing, you're trying to get parts to market at a much more efficient and, and rapid pace. And, you know, as machines have failed builds, obviously you have to go back to the drawing board. So we've created uh, an autonomous repair tool that essentially analyzes your geometry, and it will tell you based on the technology in which you want to print it if it's printable or not. 
And if it's not printable, you can auto-repair that file automatically. And essentially what it does is it makes your geometry watertight um, and 3D printable. So we've helped our customers now achieve 95% printability. I mean, some errors still go through. Uh, it's never perfect, but, uh, but, but our software is definitely getting our customers closer to that 100% build success rate. So let me go a little bit back in time in regards to 3D printing. Uh, and it's funny, Tim and I were just talking about it yesterday, that I don't think that we even knew about 3D printing four years ago. And we've been both in manufacturing a long time. Uh, meanwhile, today it's the real hot button and the progress and the, uh, uh, the moving forward on technology is quite incredible. So four years ago when uh, 3D printing uh, evolved in, onto the uh, marketplace platform, uh, it, was a, it was a low production, low uh, complex uh, part type uh, of manufacturing. Uh, is this what you're talking about now, more for high production? Where yeah, it, really starts to, it really starts to give the uh, user, buyer, a, uh, a significant uh, ROI. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a, it's a wonderful point and you know you know our, our one of our main focuses um you know at linked is helping our customers you know achieve max capacity, right? So you were saying these you know these companies are going out and spending millions of dollars on printers, right? Industrial grade printers. And uh because of the manual workflows, because of the manual pricing, the manual invoicing, um the manual repair um, they're spending more time still trying to figure out how to make the machine run, um, and, and they're not focusing on max capacity. And if you're not running your machine at max capacity, you know, you're obviously not achieving uh, great ROIs. So by introducing, you know, uh, automation, it reduces the organizational drag. It reduces the failed bill rate. It, it, it reduces the manual back and forth and manual invoicing. Um, so you can actually focus on getting parts into production. So it's kind of twofold. You know, some companies are still in that prototyping or small series run production and others are in, you know, uh, moving towards mass mass production. Um, so it, it really depends on the, the market, meaning if you're in aerospace or the medical industry or automotive oil and gas. And then it also depends on what stage these companies, you know, are in in their, uh, their manufacturing process. Um, we're still, I think we're still in the infancy of, of, of additive. Um, I think it's only going to grow exponentially over, you know, the next five to 10 years. We're looking at, you know, I think it's like a three or 400% growth rate year over year. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's a, it's a combination of both, but there's definitely companies out there that, you know, are, are printing, you know, 25, 50 to a hundred thousand parts a, a, a year for one line of product. Right. Matter of fact, uh, Boeing uh, aircraft in uh, Seattle, uh, I forgot which plane I read about it, but 15% of their uh, parts that go into that airplane is uh, 3D printed. So and I, and it was, five years ago, it wasn't the case at all. Right. So Yeah, I mean, you, uh, have, you, have, you have Boeing, GE, you know, Biomet, Stryker, 
um, Baker Hughes, so many big companies, you know, uh, Fortune 50s, Fortune 100s are, are adopting out of. I mean, you can't even keep up with the news. It's, uh, I think it's it's gone from you know, sci-fi to reality quite quickly. And you know, Absolutely. I was involved. I've been involved for almost 10 years, and it's it's amazing to see the progress that the industry has made. But here's here's a thought, Sean. Um, the technology in 3D printing is moving so fast, it's liable to, in the next 5-10 year period that you spoke about, may put themselves out of business because a new technology has replaced it. And that sort of happened with the fax machine. Even though the fax machine was invented in 1937, it really didn't hit the high marks until the 1980s. And now, uh, there's a lot of people that don't have fax machines anymore. It's a great point. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another technology uh, coming up behind it that you could see way back in the in the in the hills? I mean, there you know, there's there's research companies out there that obviously are are, are you know are, are trying to push the fold, and you know, there's some talk of 4D printing. But, uh, you know, what I, what I really believe, you know, the future is, is a mix between 3D printing and, and, uh, and traditional forms of manufacturing, so a hybrid approach. And I think right. the industry is doing, you know, there's a lot of consortiums, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of major players that are, are working together to make sure that this sticks and it stays uh, not only in the short term but the long term. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, you know, obsolescence is so high right now with the current technology that it hasn't reached its full potential. And I don't think it's going to reach its full potential for for quite some time. So I, I you know, agree. although I although I focus on the future a lot, I you know, I, I still think that uh it's it's too early to really look at, you know, any any, you know, accelerated or new forms of of uh of, of manufacturing like four D printing or, or anything along those lines. I, I think it's here to stay. Well, let's talk about 4D for a minute, just so our audience has some understanding. What is 4D? <laughs> is, is there a 4D? <laughs> That's a great question. It, it's from, from the research I've done, it's still conceptual. Um, but essentially, it's, it's really what it is. It's just introducing, um, you know, a new plane so you have X, Y, Z, and, and additive, and it's it's introducing a fourth plane. So it's quite right. similar to 3D printing, um, but it's it's more just on the speed, and 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 that's okay. You know, I mean, speed is welcomed, but uh, but you know, with when you introduce new speed into additive um, or 3D printing, you have to look at standard deviation. And right now, the 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 most common forms that are 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 producing serious parts have finally got their standard deviation down pat. Um, so it's right. still far out and it's still conceptual. And to be honest, I'm, I'm, it's just, it's not something I focus on. Um, so I, I, you know, I wouldn't be the best person to really talk on a technical level about it. It's probably going to turn out to be like the iPhone five, then the iPhone six, the iPhone seven, the iPhone eight, they add, they keep on adding a little tweak, and then that's a whole new model, or theoretically a whole new technology, which it may or may not be. Um, that's uh, that's very interesting. Uh, Tim, 
you with us? I'm still with you, Lou. Uh, Shane, what makes what you're doing different than what you have seen in the industry so far? You know, I think I think really what what we're doing right is nothing new or it's nothing unique in a traditional sense, right? If you look at any other form of manufacturing, it all has some type of automation. It all has some type of standard workflow. But with additive, because it's so new and it's so decentralized and it's a whole new economic approach to manufacturing, um, there's just nothing out there that, that allows customers to have an, a, a, you know, an autonomous workflow. Um, so we, you know, we've obviously studied traditional versus new age, and we've, you know, we, we've we've taken old school techniques, and obviously, you know, uh, new techniques like AI and data analytics, and you know, advanced algorithms such as like generative algorithms, and, and kind of meshed it all together to to you know uh, try and create a standardized workflow for the industry. Um, you know, the unique thing is there's really no one else out there doing it right now. Um, so we definitely have a, a pioneering advantage, um, but but you know what comes with first to market um, is quite a bit of pivots and a lot of learning, and you know we've we've definitely over the last you know eight to twelve months have have learned a lot um, from our customers and we've introduced quite a bit of new technology uh, at a rapid pace. To help uh, help them accelerate these these workflows and uh, and yeah so I mean that that's you know really it's uh, it's it's trying to take a standard standardized approach optimize it and introduce it into additive manufacturing. Uh, Sean, yesterday uh, I was at a conference event about manufacturing and uh, apprenticeship programs and such, and one of the things that uh, came up in that conversation in the group was that companies and the management of the companies don't have all the time to make the switch because they're busy managing the company, managing finance, managing uh, HR, and so on and so forth. Uh, so if you don't have, if you're not a large company that has a technology officer or director, the the idea to try and get the uh, uh, local management within the company to learn the process and learn how to do all the implementation is a difficult process. So my question to you is that when you get a client, uh, are, do you have a, a turnkey approach where you're working with them uh, to analyze their uh, systems and workflow and so on for you to create the custom version for them? so that they don't have to go through a an extended learning curve? That's a great question. So, by the way, it's Shane, not Sean, just to correct you. Oh, and, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Don't worry. I, Listen, I, 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 I met with a Sean. I met with a <laughs> Shane yesterday. <laughs> okay. No worries. No worries. Um, okay. No, it's a great question. So, you know, the reason we we – you know, did so much research and we took so long to develop this product was to create a very simple approach to all of this. So, you know, my, my, one of my idols is Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs says it's really, really, really hard work to make something simple. Um, and that's something <laughs> that we 
have believed in from the get-go. It's something I believed in in my, my entire career. Um, is how do you make extremely difficult processes and technology very simple and automated and user-friendly? So one thing is, you know, our, our, our software, you know, is like an off-the-shelf solution. Um, it, it takes no time to learn it and understand it. But um, we do have customer success uh, and managers who will actually come in and train you, help you set up your facilities, help you set up the machines, teach you how the algorithms work for the pricing, show you how the auto repair file tool works, and how to invite other team members. So we do have a turnkey solution um, and, you know, customer support. Uh, so, so it's, it's, you know, it just depends on, again, like you said, it depends on the time and the effort that companies are willing to, to, to put into, into learning the system. But, you know, if you're, if you're adopting additive and you don't have, you know, some type of specific workflow in process and some type of correct pricing algorithm, um, you know, you're almost dead fish in the water. It's, uh, it's very hard for companies to achieve profitability um, kind of doing this by the, the seat of their pants. And, you know, we always say if, if you're going to invest millions of dollars in printers, you know, you need to know how to work those printers and achieve profitability from those printers. And it's something over the last six to eight months we've seen uh, more often than not is, is customers telling us, you know, we're, we're not running at capacity and we're not, you know, making the margins we need to make to, to, to be viable within our organization. You know, we need to create a new profit center. Um, we need to understand distributed manufacturing um, from a digital manufacturing perspective. So, so, so yes, you know, we'll, we'll help you through the entire process. Um, and once you're set up, it's, uh, it's, it's quite simple to use. Mm -hmm. Uh, this would certainly be one of the uh, obstacles that you run into, uh, perhaps resistance from management. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, uh, our customers have been quite receptive, you know, especially when you talk about automation and you talk about um, reducing organizational drag and you're, you talk about, you know, achieving the ROIs in which, you know, you hope to achieve when, when you acquire it. And when you talk to them about distributive manufacturing, they listen, right? right? Because these are very critical uh, economic decisions that, that companies look at all day long. Uh, mm -hmm. So so it's not so, that's, you know, it's, it's more the pushback of the technology. Well, I don't have the time to learn it or how difficult is right. it or how do we know it's going to achieve these things? And, you know, and that's why we do trials and we do training and we do, you know, we have lots of research out there that, that, you know, proves our model. And it's not just our research. There's a lot of, of research on automation and uh, distributed manufacturing. It's not, you know, we're not the one, we, 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 you know, we, we, um, we didn't invent this. This isn't our claim to fame. Um, so we point to research and we point to education. And, um, you know, I think when we, we act more as trusted advisors than techies or sales, you know, uh, sales guys. Right. Our, our guys are AM experts. Um, we're, you know, I, I like to think we have a team of A players from the industry and uh, and we, we do more educating than anything. That would seem to be uh, a requirement in, in order to get the uh, uh, the entire technology absorbed into a company. Uh, where uh, would our uh, audience get in contact with you? <laughs> 
Uh, you want to give us your web address? Yeah, yeah. You can visit www.link3d.co, and you can request a demo um, or reach out to us by email. Our email is on there, or you can reach out to me personally. My, uh, my email is shane, S-H-A-N-E, at link3d.co. And, uh, you know, we're available 24-7, and we're always here to, to, to talk about research or talk about how we can, uh, you know, help uh, increase your, uh, your, your revenue on the additive side. Shane, somebody's going to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning to test out your 24-7 <laughs> rule. <laughs> it's okay. I had someone uh, – I'm flying out to Hong Kong next week, and uh, I'm working with a group uh, out there, and, and I was on a, on a call at 3.30 in the morning with them. So, so you could test me. I got it. I got it. I was in, I was in, I was in China, and my daughter, teenage daughter at the time, called, not realizing I was sleeping – to call me and ask me to leave a check for her. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I don't so have a yet, so I haven't started paying out paying out yet. Yeah, wait. It's pay <laughs> and pay and pay. <laughs> right, Tim? That's what my, my dad That's said. Right. The, the largest, my dad said I'm the largest investment he's ever made. Yeah, uh, that's right. Well, Shane, probably, Shane the, just... probably also the largest write-off. Shane, just to kind of summarize this, I want to understand or have our listeners understand that it sounds like you've got more than one software package. You've got a way for engineers to, to work together, um, even from different locations, to modify their design and you've got a way for your software to talk to printers. Um, can you give me a little clarity on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the product we've been talking about is called digital factory. Um, that's a subscription based, you know, uh, SAS type product, but we also have a product called on demand. Um, and you could find that on our site. And what it is, is we've created, uh, the world's largest network, of on-demand additive manufacturing service bureaus or third-party, uh, you know, manufacturers. So we have a uh, we have 164 service bureaus in 32 countries. We have access to over a thousand machines, all industrial grade, um, and we have I think something like uh, almost 20 different ISO certifications, ITAR, and other third-party uh, uh, manufacturing certifications. So. So, you know, it's a heavy vetting process to become a, 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 a service provider on the link network. Um, so, you know, anyone out there who's interested in adopting additive but just isn't sure or doesn't have the capital expense to go out and buy these machines, um, it's free to use. You submit an RFQ. There's a level of intellectual property and encryption um, that gives you full access. We use the military standard grade 256-bit encryption, um, and it allows you to control who has access to the keys. Um, and once you release those um, and submit your RFQ, you're automatically matched with vendors that can meet your parameters. Um, and they actually can bid on your project, and you can award your project to, to, to one or several depending on the volume and depending on the lead time that you're looking for. And that, that product is uh, 100% free to use. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty unique platform. And, you know, we've built thousands 
and thousands of parts uh, for, for customers doing that. Well, that's, that's a very interesting component part of your business. Uh, how does one make money with that? Or are you so, the one selling the software? Yeah, so, so <clears throat> essentially there's a service fee that um, our service bureaus uh, you know, pay linked to be awarded projects. It's very minimal, um, so it I doesn't see. affect the actual quote, um, but the service bureaus actually pay us, um, and, and engineers can use it for free because you know, we, we want to promote additive manufacturing. We want to promote all the great benefits. I mean, I'm also a, a sustainability geek. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of Elon and all the sustainability guys out there, and, and additive promotes so many amazing things for our planet, um, whether it be the, 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 the reduction um, of, of materials being used during a manufacturing process, um, whether it's, uh, you know, it, mining virgin ore from our earth, you know, is something that kills us. And being able to reuse almost 99% of the powder materials obviously reduces that, that level. Um, you know, having a decentralized approach to distribution um, reduces, you know, obviously emissions into our environment. Um, it also promotes local manufacturing. So it's bringing manufacturing back into, uh, you know, local municipalities or, or local countries. Um, there's so many amazing benefits to, to adopting this type of technology. And that's something we want to approach. We want to reduce the barrier to entry, and that's why we allow engineers to use this product for, for free. Wise model. Wise model. Tim? Yeah, it's very interesting, Shane. And we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm very grateful, and I appreciate you guys taking an interest. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll be uh, airing uh, the show many times because it uh, does go into our archives, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, hopefully you will get some uh, uh, interest out of it because it's uh, sounding uh, very interesting. I do have one last question, uh, yeah. and it's a simple one, and it's not a long one. Is your service uh, directed to large, medium, major companies? Yeah, I, I, my, my, my guess would be almost all, but uh, you tell me. Yeah, it's, it's everyone. You know, if you're interested in, in, in additive manufacturing, Linked has a product for me, whether it's uh, Linked On Demand or our digital factory um, uh, subscription software. And uh, whether you're a two-person company or a 200,000-person organization, uh, there's a model in there for you. Well, that's an important point for our listeners to uh, have heard and uh, give rise to reaching out and uh, talking with you. Um, Tim? And we have been talking with Shane Fox, who's a co-founder and CEO of Linked, L-I-N-K-3-D. They've cleverly taken the capital letter E and reversed it to, to create their name, L-I-N-K-3-D. All about 3-D printing, check out their website at link3d.co. And we'll be right back after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? 
Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, we're back. Uh, that was that was terrific, uh, Shane. Uh, really enjoyed listening to your two-piece solution to uh, a manu- additive manufacturing. And let me just uh, mention one or two points on that. Uh, you could either uh, buy into their program and uh, use it as a single point of location where you your company can tap into their software, or the second solution is that they have 160 manufacturing centers in 32 countries. There's a thousand printers, and you could use anywhere from 200 uh, materials, polymers, metals, and such, and use this metal, this manufacturing center, as if it is because it is a outsourced vendor. But you have complete control. You feed your information, your prints, and so on, and boom, it prints it out. You got your parts. Uh, it's it's really an incredible solution uh, that uh, we do wish them well with that. Next week, uh, just one more time, Nicole Walter uh, is going to be uh, from HM Manufacturing, president and CEO, uh, talking about engineering and finance and uh, STEM programs in manufacturing and how it's going to relate to uh, future uh, generations. And one last point, I can't help to bring up WAM, Women and Manufacturing. And Nicole Walter has agreed to be one of our seven hosts. Um, And we have seven women hosts, women who have made it, to talk to women who have made it or should be making it. So that is going to be exciting. November 8th is the first show, and uh, it's going to be terrific. And all you women who are listening, all 30% of our listeners are women. we got to get you up to 51 because that's a percentage in the population. You win. There's more of you than us. Thanks, Lou. And uh, certainly listen to any of our shows at msgtalkradio.com. You can also find a link there for our Metals and Manufacturing Outlook e-zine. 
you'll also find links and you'll see a uh, kind of a change in that homepage, which has traditionally been for uh, manufacturing talk radio. We're adding two other shows. We actually have one that's been operating for some time called The Global Perspective with Dr. Adriana Sanford. Lou mentioned the Women and Manufacturing show. You'll see a nice Wham logo that's going to go up fairly shortly as that show launches on November 8th with the Rosie the Riveter story. And then we continue each week with a guest host. And we have seven of those, as Lou mentioned. So tune in for Women in Manufacturing. going to be some great interviews. And really, this is a how-to, how I did it, how you can do it type interview. So tap in, visit us often at Manufacturing Talk Radio. And before I sign off, Lou has, Columbo has one more thing. One last point, just in case no one's figured this part out. Nobody, but nobody in our entire news media structure in this country is doing any conversation about women in manufacturing. Women in manufacturing haven't been in women. They haven't been in manufacturing when there was three or 4 million during the second world war. And that's where Anna Hess got her start at 15 years of age. She is now 90. And she, matter of fact, she was invited to the Netherlands uh, by the King and Queen only about three years ago to be thanked for her service and all of the services of the Rosie the Riveters from 1942 or 1943. It's a real piece of history. you got to listen to it. Tim? Thanks, Lou. Yes, as a matter of fact, women are 51% of the population. They're 21% of the employees in manufacturing. So Lou and I are on the bandwagon to change that along. And our effort to help do that is the Women in Manufacturing show. You can find it at mfgtalkradio.com. Tune in next week or tune in anytime because these are all stored podcasts, over 200 of them. And we look forward to all of our listeners listening. Tell all your friends, folks, mfgtalkradio.com. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.